Brown Girl Radiance celebrates the brilliance of women of color through reflective conversations and stories. I'm your host, Pure Brown Joy. Hello to all of my radiant friends. Thank you for all of your support throughout this season of Brown Girl Radiance podcast as we celebrated our forever first lady, Michelle Obama, with the Becoming Book Club. It has certainly been a great source of inspiration and encouragement anytime someone reaches out to me to say that they've listened to any episode from this season or the first season where we celebrated the women of Wakanda. I understand that right now in our nation and in our world, we are living in unprecedented times of crisis. I want to say to anyone being impacted by the global pandemic of COVID-19, which at this point, I think is everyone. You're in my prayers, whether it's financial impacts or any physical or mental or emotional health concerns or all of the above. We're all walking through this together. Let's do what we can by following all of the advisories of our local governments and health officials, such as staying home, washing your hands, social distancing, etc. Please pray for our health professionals, government officials, retail employees, restaurant employees, delivery personnel, first responders, the military, and all those who are serving others in this time, including those who are homeschooling their children and working from home. And again, anyone who's lost their jobs or is currently not receiving paycheck. No matter what the situation, everyone needs prayer. I know some of what we are seeing seems overwhelming, but we're going to keep on praying and believing even through our tears. Our God is still on the throne and that is where we find peace. The purpose of Brown Girl Radiance podcast is to bring smiles and invoke joy. And since this is the season finale, this episode is going to be a little longer and the format is going to be just a little different, uh, especially towards the beginning. My guest today, you'll recognize from throughout season one, including the very first episode of Brown Girl Radiance podcast. So it's nice to have them back for the last episode of season two as kind of a, a bookend, as well as a nod to where it all began. So my guest goes by the podcast alias Wakanda Sister number two. As I was preparing to record this episode amidst everything with COVID-19, I reached out to Wakanda Sister number two, and she told me that she had some thoughts to share around COVID-19 and leadership and the Becoming book. So I told her to send her thoughts over to me uh, via WhatsApp. And by the time she was done, I told her that I wanted to use her commentary to lay the foundation for our conversation today. So after you hear her remarks, uh, you will hear our interview where we discuss the Becoming book, 
in tandem with the implications of COVID-19. So for the first few moments, you'll hear the commentary from Wakanda Sister Number 2, and then for the majority of the episode, you'll hear our conversation. In the first portion of her remarks, she discusses emerging leadership and innovation amidst COVID-19 and becoming. So in this crisis, um, more women especially, but more people have the opportunity to be heard because the crisis is going to break down barriers to um, to voices that um, uh, yeah, we'll break down barriers to to voices that may have had a harder time to be heard. Because think of it this way, like even though there's the bandwidth in terms of senior leadership um, speaking down, uh, top down leadership, there is a huge opportunity and bandwidth for bottom up innovation and um leadership. And by that, I mean, because it is uncharted territory and um, no one can claim that they know the answer, uh, the smart people who are in leadership will be more willing to hear alternative ideas. Um, And so that's where the becoming comes. That's where individuals who weren't able to speak, who didn't have a voice, um, will be able to to do so and have a high prob- probability of being heard and responded to. And for everyone who does that and who rises to the occasion to help, to volunteer in spaces that they've not helped or volunteered in the past or had opportunity to do so, that's an opportunity for them to become, to develop a skill, to develop a voice, to develop a platform, to um, because of their creativity, because of their innovation, because of their willingness to help. And so, because, um, you know, there's discussion. So that's where the becoming um, arises, is that those unheard voices, those unheard perspectives um, are finally heard. Um, and then also the experience itself of rising to the occasion, of finding opportunities to serve, of finding opportunities to make a difference, which is what Michelle did with, with the childhood obesity um, problem. She saw the problem problem and you know it was close to home for her with um, the older daughter showing signs of obesity and so forth it was an issue about which she was passionate and thought she could be able to make a difference with her, Sam and her friends um, and so she chose that and just went at it with um, all of her creativity all of her perspective all that she felt she could bring to bear um, and ended up moving the needle in that space of um, childhood obesity, of nutrition, of um, food manufacturing and labeling, you know, she was able to make some strides. And that, I think, also helped her become, I mean, she eventually, essentially became a de facto policymaker. She did what Hillary Clinton could not do in terms of being a first lady who could um, influence and make essentially policy. She didn't sign legislation or what have you, or, um, but she created a movement, uh, that informed policy. And also she did it from the private sector, um, as opposed to the public sector, which is also another, um, kind of innovation, innovation. But anyway, the places where she chose to show up, whether it be childhood obesity, I have to think of the other issues. Oh, military families, and which is also something she gained from her time on the road. She saw needs 
and that she connected to that resonated with her and chose to respond. And as a result, she gained, I feel like that is how she gained a lot of her, um, her popularity, her um, influence, her power on the national scene. Essentially, she became Oprah um, and in very much uh, a similar path that Oprah had. In this next portion, she talks about Michelle's emergence and her impact as First Lady and what it means to become So Oprah became everybody's beloved because she talked about personal issues. She became the the girl or the woman next door and the everyday woman and the issues that she discussed, um, the way she discussed them and her own personal transparency. Similarly, Michelle Obama did that less with her own personal transparency and more in her relatability and accessibility along issues that are close to home, that being childhood obesity, military families, um, because, you know, it basically talks about how we consume our relationship with food as a country uh, and, you know, food is a very personal thing. And so she was able to enter that personal space and develop relationship with the with the U.S. And then also just how she's, you know, when she's out in public, she's very affectionate. She's very outgoing. She's very um, engaging. And so her personality plus the passion that she's attached to these issues and the fact that these issues are issues that resonate in the heart of America when you think about military families and them being a substantial part of the population and also of the working class population that gave her, um, you know, some significant street cred uh, and that and also and her platform and also her advocacy for these issues amplified her voice and allowed her to become a national influencer. And so in that way, she became by rising to the occasion on issues that were important to her, that that she valued, and that also resonated with the country and the needs of individuals and families within the country. So her response to a relevant situation um, and her passion and the changes and innovations she brought to those situations enabled her to become the a lot of the woman that whose memoir outsold presidents. Um, and I'll I'll bet you a lot of money that her memoir will outsell Barack Obama's if he does another one. And so all of that um, social capital that she's gained came from the um, activities, came from her actions um, within as a first lady, um, particularly along issues that mattered, along with her personality. I do feel like her personality is part of it. But compared to other first ladies, including Hillary Clinton, um, she rose to the occasion. She wasn't directive the way I think Hillary Clinton was with with regards to health care policy. She was a partner. Um, And so she led beside as opposed to out front and being directive. And so so she became this great celebrity that we know and someone that we will have great affection for, you know, and whose who's star continues to rise because of her, the relationship she built with people as a first lady, particularly along these issue-related activities. So I feel like she found her voice. 
she amplified her voice in the presidency along these um, through advocacy and in and became the the post floatus that we have come to know and even the latter day floatus that we've come to know uh, because certainly when she started she was very popular on the campaign circuit but not nearly as popular as she um, was for instance at the 2016 Democratic convention where her speech was just like off the charts and even the um, the campaign speeches that she made for Hillary Clinton and the one that she notes in the book uh, the response to that and people wanting her to run for office and so forth all of that came over the course of her time as Flotus um, particularly around these issues have you ever heard of another first lady who people have asked to run for public office I don't so um so and that's because she kind of led in a very big way. Like when I think about other first ladies, I don't know the history of all first ladies, but the only close one to mine uh, in terms of influence and impact, maybe Nancy Reagan. I have to review that time, but she had a big voice. Barbara Bush, Laura Bush did not have big voices. Laura Bush was very advocate for librarians and education and so forth. But her platform and her microphone was not nearly as large as um, Nancy Reagan's from what I can discern and stuff like that. Like just say no, that's a, that's from the Nancy Reagan era. I think that was her. So people are using that in jest even now. So outside of Nancy Reagan, I can't think of, and I, I guess I should research this before we talk about it, but of another first lady who's had such substantial impact. Hillary Clinton wanted to um, and tried to, but did not succeed, not only from a policy perspective, but also from a popularity perspective. Because let's remember, this is all Politics is a popularity contest because it talks about populace. Both of them have the root word populace, which is people. Do the people like you? Do the people respond to you? And so she did not succeed in that regard. And that's very much evidenced in the outcome of the 2016 election, if, if there were any doubt. First ladies, historically, uh, there have been very few that have had as large a voice um, and as she has had um, and has um, evolved so significantly. Okay, let me, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. Yes, I have to, I'm going to have to research that some more. But I know that Michelle Obama has referred to her on more than one occasion as being um, a dynamic, influential first lady. So, um, so that's where, so again, on the idea of becoming um, and this whole situation that the more people who, um, more individuals, particularly women who speak up, um, with their perspective, with their solutions, um, and who also, um, take charge, you know, in this very uncertain time, if you have a point of view and, um, and have a way forward, then, take the reins like if you can't take it um explicitly then influence um in the direction that you see that you have vision for and i feel like in those those are the ways how um uh your voice can be heard where it can be elevated 
um, um, and where it can eventually be recognized. And through the practice of that, not only for your voice, but your actions and deeds and so forth that um, that help people through this crisis, uh, that also um, is developing capabilities in you and um, confidence in you um, and enables you to evolve into whatever you are to become next. Um, Because a lot of, you know, a lot of who we become um, is through practice, right? Um, And through situation, through circumstance. Uh, And so it's either intentional in terms of you like cultivate it, what have you, but it's really demonstrated through action. And this is a time of action. Um, And so that is, I think, a way how um, so many people can become because um, when when there is uncertainty, the people who do have a perspective, who do have a direction um, are going to be people that uh, that that will receive a response. And so. Um, become new leaders if they're not already leading um, or start to lead in different ways. Uh, And so um, that's where I see uh, this crisis being an opportunity for a lot of people, men and women, to become as they arise. They have to choose to arise um, and act and they have to also choose to speak up and share their thoughts and perspectives um, because it's a vacuum. It's, it's open season. It is the wild west. Um, and that's where the newness comes when, you know, the status quo is compromised. That's when those outside can, can arise and shine. Like, um, yeah. So, so, so that's where I think the becoming is. And, even um, I'm just trying to think back in history, but there have been companies um, and industries that have developed in times of war, particularly um, and crisis. Like tomorrow, I'm about to go to Maryland and Virginia to distilleries who are using their alcohol to create hand sanitizers. And who knows, that might become an additional business um, or um at the very least, a supplemental business. And so that, I didn't even know there were spirits distillery businesses in MD and Virginia. And so that's an opportunity for um, them to become. Um, So, so yeah, so that, so it's all about opportunity and, um, and seizing opportunity uh, in times of crisis that allow people to become not only to the world, um, but in some cases to themselves. When you look at World War II, um, and I go back to the war times because that's what a lot of commentators have done. And then also because World War II and earlier um, is a t- period in time where we did wars differently. It affected the whole entire country in the case of the U.S. and the whole entire world in the case of the, in the, case of the global political, geopolitical um, landscape. And so, um, in the U S in particular, a lot of women had to go to work that didn't typically go to work, Rosie, the riveter. And in many ways people, um, so women found out that they could be 
factory workers, that they could um, be in manufacturing. And so um, a lot of women um, became more than housewives, um, realized their own economic power, their own um, labor uh influence and power um, and the workforce and uh, and the nation has not been the same since then. So um, a lot of women became women in particular, but the whole country became um, something different uh, and society changed and became something else and became more of what it looks like today because of that time of crisis. So again, um, that's another thing that uh, to uh, another example of how people who responded to crisis um, were able to become um, more than they were when they entered the crisis. Finally, she shares her observations on the impact that we as individuals can have as a result of COVID-19 and how we can become the other kind of unique aspect of this crisis is it is a, a opportunity for um, for people to be alone with their thoughts. And in that, there is a level of self-awareness that comes uh, and also for creativity and innovation to um, to germinate because of the stillness. We are so all um, consumed and busy and uh, with living this life, staying up, w staying, staying on pace with, um, with society, uh, with the people that we have to interact with, whether it be in the workplace or otherwise, that um, we don't always have the opportunity to be still with our own thoughts, to hear our own thoughts, um, to think our own thoughts, uh, because there's always and often a lot of stimuli from the outside. Grant you um, that that there's plenty of that to be found electronically, but uh, that's certainly been diminished in terms of physical interaction. And so, um, so I think with the isolation, with the solitude, with the quietness, comes the opportunity to hear, to hear um, God for those who um, believe in higher powers and spirituality and to hear our own hearts and our own thoughts. And in that way, as we start to hear and listen um, to those formative voices, we can become. So, um, so yeah, there's two elements of becoming in this crisis, there is um, action and speaking up. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then there is being still um, and hearing. So, there, and I don't know which one comes first. Uh, I think in a situation like this, they are in parallel in many cases. Um, and, and to a certain extent, one could argue that the listening comes first. Um, or the being still comes first, uh, and and having the space to to think. Because all these thoughts that I'm sharing right now are like ten minutes old, but I've spent the day lying down, praying, um, worshiping. I was supposed to be working, but um, have not gotten around to that as yet. But 
it's just been in the stillness uh, and the lack of engagement in the other things. I did listen to the press conference earlier today from the White House, um, but I turned it off and was done. So just the fact that I've been idle, there is a value and a place for idleness. Um, and particularly in a completely consumed society as our own, because in the idleness and even in the recreation um, um, comes the creativity and comes um, the space for alternative thinking, alternative voices um, that can lead us into another direction. Um, or amplify a particular direction that we're pursuing. But there does come a shift. So, um, so yeah, so there is the, there is the uh, receiving and then there is the giving aspect of becoming. Um, the receiving being the stillness and the quiet um, and, so that you can hear. And then the act um, and the giving being um, acting and speaking up and sharing who you are. Um, I think that's really what it comes down to. Acting and speaking are ways to share who you are um, with the world and allowing uh, the, your influence and their influence together to, sh to shape you into who you're to be. I hope you enjoyed the TED Talk from Wakanda Sister Number Two. And now we're going to dive into our conversation as we conclude the Becoming Book Club and discuss the changing landscape and impacts amidst COVID-19. Additionally, as a little treat, during this conversation, we discussed some of the books that we're currently reading as well as some of our favorite podcast recommendations, which might be a useful resource during this time. Welcome back to Brown Girl Radiance podcast and happy Women's History Month. Um, thank you for what I'm affectionately calling your TED Talk that was showcased during the first portion of this episode. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about some of the thoughts that you shared there. And I'm just so excited to have you back on the show to wrap up this season of the Michelle Obama Becoming Book Club, which of course now has taken a slightly different tone um, given the current global pandemic of COVID-19, social distancing, quarantines, etc. So I want to start by allowing you to share the headline for becoming and what becoming means to you, which you touched on um, in the opening remarks, but I think it's worth highlighting again as we're beginning our conversation. Well, first of all, thanks for having me back. It's so great to be back and congratulations on your season number two. Super excited for you and for what will come with season three. Um, and then also, uh, hailing from the nation's capital. Uh, last time I think we were together, we were um, in Florida. Um, so I since moved and I think being here also provides me a different perspective than I had earlier. So, um, so happy to share that with you. Um, and so to just to start, like for me, becoming 
was really a book about how um, an, an ordinary woman with an ordinary projection can become extraordinary. And, um, and I feel like there are a lot of ways that people can become extraordinary and, and, and become. And some of the key ways for me that I found in the book were one, um, surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, but two, uh, it, becoming itself is a process of evolution. It's, a, it's a, the evolution of a person as they engage the world. And so um, when I kind of think about how people engage the world and particularly how Michelle did, was a lot of it was just um, speaking up and using her voice. Um, so that she's known, and then um, also hearing others and allowing their voices to kind of influence um, your perspective. And I think that that's something that she did as well. And then finally, rising to the occasion. So um, in the case of Michelle, whether it was some of the issues that she tackled as a first lady, like childhood obesity or military families, she found opportunities where she could um, elevate issues that were important to her, um, elevate people groups that were important to her. And so, um, and, in, and in that, she was rising to the occasion and became much of whom, much of the person that we know today. Um, I'm a firm believer a lot of those seeds are there, but um, you just need the opportunity and uh, an opportunity often comes with occasion, rising to it. Love that and, you know, really just um, enjoy the way that you're able to like encapsulate some of the themes of this book. And, and as I've said throughout the season, it's hard to tackle all of them in one episode. So I've really enjoyed having uh, different women on sharing their various perspectives. And so uh, going back to something that you said in the beginning of this episode, um, you talked about the ways that we as individuals in this crisis can become, and there being two aspects of this concept of becoming with respect to the COVID crisis. And the first one, which you just touched upon is action and speaking up. And then the next point being still and hearing. And you said something that really resonated with me. Uh, you said there is a value and a place for idleness. And then you went on to say that the value in idleness is creativity. And so for me, uh, as an omnivert, which is a mixture of extrovert and introvert, um, while I love being around people and socializing, I have definitely appreciated these moments of stillness. And um, the first week, I found myself going to stores like every other day just to stock up on supplies and, and food and also trying to adjust to working from home. But I also love that I'm able to have more devotional time to spend with God and I'm able to, to you know, just develop more spiritually and professionally and personally. And so one fun thing this weekend, I actually uh, made my first smoothie uh, with a blender that I, <laughs> that I got on clearance at Target for $6 like years ago. And so I'm, I'm also planning on, you know, continuing to develop my 
culinary skills um, because mm-hmm. cooking is something that is in my blood, especially, you know, being from the South. And then obviously I'm also planning um, to do a lot of different like podcasting action items, such as like recording this episode today and just uh, podcasting in general, I feel like is, is a way that I'm able to, um, to cultivate my personal creativity. Mm-hmm. And so I also just want to highlight before I actually ask you this question, I want to highlight um, a couple of other examples of creativity that that I've seen. So one excellent example that I saw over this past weekend is um, a gentleman who goes by the name of D Nice. Um, he's actually a celebrity DJ and also like an old school MC, and he gathered over a hundred thousand viewers internationally for a live dance party on Instagram. That, that he called homeschool um, and it was also dubbed <laughs> hashtag club quarantine um, and so he was spinning records from across all generations for over eight hours on multiple days from his like from his kitchen so to be honest I was getting concerned like is he eating like is he going to the bathroom like for over eight hours this man was um, and uh, in fact, one of my friends mentioned that she was just like doing all her, you know, chores and stuff um, and grooving. So, you know, that's uh, a way that he was able to use his gift and, and have like such a, a huge impact and release, you know, so much just positivity and happiness um, into the universe. And also like just watching him and like the way he was bopping and he would be changing out his hats all throughout the set. So he was just like so much fun and, and had amazing energy. And um, another person who I actually want to highlight um, is Wakanda sister number one from the very first episode of Brown Girl Radiance. Yeah. Yay. Um, so she's actually uh, been sewing masks for healthcare workers, like using fun fabrics and then donating them. And oh. so those are just a couple um, of examples that I want to highlight of, you know, creativity. But um, what what I actually wanted to to ask you, though, um, again, going back to your your points around um, just uh, like the action um, piece of it and and also, you know, being still and hearing and and idleness, all those things. I wanted to ask, do you think that as a black woman becoming amid the COVID-19 has given us a different responsibility in our communities beyond like our normal leadership roles? And do you think it's creating unique opportunities for us? Or is this pandemic the great equalizer that causes us to look beyond race, gender, et cetera, to find solutions? Awesome. That's a loaded one. Um, I think it's actually all of the above. Uh, and I'll kind of go through them. Um, I think one to start yet yeah, that yes, it is a different responsibility. Um, I think with regards to that, it's mainly about like, for me, it's uh, at this point, and it will vary by person in their spheres of influence. But um, it's, you know, everything from taking looking after your neighbors in a way that you didn't before or for the first time and it could be checking in on those who live alone and i don't just mean the elderly um because you know as people are in isolation for long periods of time it's going to affect people differently so just checking in on those who don't who are not sharing a space with someone else to see how they're doing um 
it's in, it also includes like making sure that people are fulfilling the CDC guidelines in terms of social distancing. Uh, I, I just got a text not too long ago from someone who was like, Harlem is not, not all the people in Harlem are social distancing. And so, you know, just being that voice of, um, of reminder, of encouragement for people to do what they've been told to do to be able to um, help uh, stem flatten the curve and also keep us as safe as possible. And then um, I think the different responsibility also includes just maintaining like levels of civility in the areas that we have um, influence. So like everything from being in a Costco line of, you know, essentially people on fire. <laughs> um, I'm like, <laughs> this time is really Christmas meets natural disaster. Cause I think of all the kind of lines I've been in, in Florida preparing for a hurricane and then like Christmas and um, all the, you know, whether it's parking lot lines or checkout lines, or um, for those who are parents and have to fight for toys, like those lines, like all of that is coming together in this one situation. And so I feel like um, Black women can show, like can be examples. Um, and, and that is, for some of us, it may be a new responsibility or a different responsibility just because we didn't need to. But um, now we are our brother's keeper. And so that's where I think the difference comes. I, um, I don't know that that was always the case. We always said that we were, but literally, you know, whether it's those examples or others, we are our brother's keeper. And then I think it is um, um, a unique opportunity. I think people who are um, talented and skilled in areas that can be useful um, and even areas that are not um, necessarily what we would call endemic areas or um, areas that look related but are tangential or adjacent that those people um, as they think creatively can also um, step up and uh, and take advantage of the unique opportunities that this this crisis provides like whether it's being um, in a place to redeploy resources that you have um, whether it's personally or in your workplace um, I think there's the opportunity to be the voice of calm, to be the voice of clarity, to be the voice of strength um, in this time of uncertainty, because I, I'm actually a little bit surprised that the, the people who I thought would be, and I'm not even talking about like government or anything, I'm just even talking about like very accomplished professionals and so forth, who I thought would be those voices of calm and, um, are either quiet because they're trying to figure out what's happening, they're trying to figure out their take on it, um, or are wringing their hands. And so I think for those who have gone through adversity, who've gone through challenge, and who know how to weather storms, personally or otherwise, that you bring a, a perspective and a voice and a gravitas from that lived experience that allows you to kind of speak calm, speak peace, speak clarity, speak strength. And if you have a point of view, speak perspective and direction when there is none, because this is a black hole. This is a vacuum of leadership of all kinds. Um, and people are stepping up and filling those that, that, that vacuum. And I think it's an opportunity for black women to do the same. And so, um, and then finally, the, 
the pandemic, I think, is the great equalizer, which is why those unique opportunities um, are surfacing. Um, because I think in the larger society, everyone is distracted um, and is directing, uh, in the larger society, we oftentimes have um, um, leaders, you know, centralized power, centralized leadership, centralized guidance, um, whether it's in a um, church or in a community or in a workplace um, or in the government. And now that um, we're, all of that's disembodied, right? <laughs> Literally um, and decentralized, everyone is directing their own journey. And so um, no one's really in charge. And so um, the, those who are able, so that's where the equalization takes place in that there is that willingness to hear who has um, the best ideas if there is not an idea that's working. Um, and so, um, and when you think back um, in, in history, whether it's World War II, uh, or other wars where people of color in particular were allowed to serve despite the way how they were treated within the, this country. Um, or if you look at less dire situations, but um, situations where the country was in, um, was placed in a corner. So you think about hidden figures. Essentially at that time, the U.S. was in a race to the moon with Russia, they found out that they um, were not as competitive. And so it was kind of like all hands on deck so that we win. And so, um, and the US is very competitive in its mindset that way. And so whether it's fighting um, the visible enemy in a war or, um, or, or in a, or in a um, space race or this situation, uh, the country does want to, to come out of this um, better than it entered it, uh, and and certainly to survive it. And so I think there is, as it gets more intense, that there will be more and more willingness to um, hear uh, alternative points of view, alternative approaches. Yeah, no, I you know I I love what you mentioned there, and it it made me think um, as well too about um, some of the heroes that are arising amidst this time. Um, mm -hmm. So of course our our healthcare professionals and yes. first responders, et cetera, but then also um, a lot of our retail employees, mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. you know, and just and just like you know having conversations with them and. Um, I, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of Target, so I've made a few trips there and just like <laughs> talking to the employees there and even just calling it, which Target actually increased um, all of their wages, gave them like a $2 bump, um, mm -hmm. which is nice. And then I was talking to an employee yesterday and they told me that they also allowed them to come in like early to shop. From like mm -hmm. seven to eight which is wow. is also really nice and um yeah. and yeah and just like you know when you call whether it's for me whether it's been calling target or Publix or or other um retailers they're always i i found for the most part pretty friendly and want to like be helpful mm -hmm. um and you know trying to give you tips about when shipments are coming in etc um and just just all of those things so um i i say that to say that i do think that it is becoming, you know, the great equalizer. Um, yeah. 
in our society. So it will be really interesting to, to to see us get to the other side. And even like, you know, you mentioned hidden figures. So where else are those, you know, hidden figures, um, which I think probably definitely like in the tech realm, because that's <laughs> where um, so much of our attention has shifted. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's really- Sister, um, that's where the, a lot of the solution is. I'm still yeah. like waiting and trusting that big tech is gonna step up because there's a lot of capability that they have. Huge, like well, like just Amazon, Amazon alone. And people focus a lot on the shipping and the distribution, but there's Amazon Web Services, which is like cloud computing. And yes, so yes. They have large amounts of data. They know when, when things are moving, they know how people are moving. There's a lot there. there. The other night I heard about this thermometer that I actually was trying to buy. I didn't realize all the details about it, but they, um, it's the Kissa thermometer, I think, but basically they have data on above average uh, fevers acro across the country. Um, and what would be above average for this time of year and for flu season. And so they have a map where all that is. Uh, and it's not a secret because I heard it reported like the reddest part on the map, meaning the, the part where most of the, um, where they're above average temperatures for this time of year and so forth that are um, above average for the flu season as well is in Florida. And so like information like that is very helpful because if it's not the flu, you know, what is it? And then how do we get to, how do we respond to that? So they're big, big tech, especially in a lot of tech, tech products and tech enabled um, apps and so forth. Uh, they have information, they have data, they have analytics that can actually help us track and monitor this, this, um, this outbreak. And also they have the capabilities with that same, um, with a lot of those same networks to be able to just deploy resources to where they need to go, whether it's protective gear or toilet paper, they, they have those capabilities. And so I am, and then when you talk about social networking and being able to, uh, and social media, to be able to, to communicate various messages, uh, that too. And there's location-based, there's like, and I'm not even a technologist. So, <laughs> I, you know, like, so, so there are actual experts who can go far deeper into this, but the capabilities are there. And so I am praying, I literally, it is my prayer request that um, the tech sector especially um, step up. But that being said, uh, those who are particularly like women of color, black coders and so forth, can start developing apps to help people um, navigate this crisis, whether it's, you know, I need assistance with deliveries of items because I'm not able to get out as an elderly person or as a person who has a compromised system, you know, whatever the case may be, that to be able to connect people with resources uh, and connect people with information. So um, there is they're beginning to, there is a group now, I don't know that they're black, but they are, um, they are um, ex-technologists from the Obama administration that are developing a website now and a um, system to help track the protective gear for healthcare workers. And um, where the supply is, where the demand is, and to help that resource allocation. So I, so I think they're, they're for, 
for people of color that there's an opportunity there. And after all this is over, they have the data to build another business, you know, from, from uh, those who participated on the apps and on the platforms and stuff like that, or they can do something similar. So there is unique opportunity. Yeah, I know there's, um, I've, I've heard of the, there's an organization that's black girls um, who code and then there's yes. also um, girls who code. Um, I was actually yep. listening to um, a, a podcast um, from the Harvard Business Review. Um, they call it IdeaCast, but it was actually with the founder of Girls Who Code. And um, so, and to be honest, like for the, even before all of this, for, um, I would say probably uh, past couple months or so, I have been seriously considering like taking a course on it. And I know there's really lots cool. of free courses out there. So, yeah. And the cool thing is, uh, it's, it is, once you have the capabilities, you can start building apps, which I think is kind of like the most um, pragmatic and and um, and monetizable uh, outcome of something like that. So, for sure, for sure. So um, another interesting point that you made uh, was around that idea of decentralization of power and also more accessibility to those in leadership of organizations because of the you know remote working environments and the need for innovation in mm -hmm. corporate slash secular structures as well as in churches. Mm -hmm. as, and as you were describing this current unprecedented level of accessibility, one example you shared uh, with me uh, was having the ability to email an idea to an executive in a company mm -hmm. uh, because, because they're working remotely and, and probably won't um, have that particular email intercepted by their administrative partner. And mm -hmm. as you were describing some of those ways that the barriers are diminishing, it also made me think about the level of accessibility that Michelle Obama actually brought to the role of first lady and also to the White House, um, mm -hmm. which you mentioned as being part of her social capital. And mm -hmm. so Michelle saw that there were technically no official duties for a first lady. So she sees the opportunity and she created objectives based on her passions and desire to improve the lives of Americans like through nutrition, caring mm -hmm. for military families and education for girls all over the world. And so examining Michelle's impact and processes towards innovation in this unprecedented time, what are some ways that people can redefine their roles in their careers and otherwise? So I think Michelle is a great example and all that you described is in a great example of volunteering, stepping up. And so I think that's one of the, the, the what the first and easiest way to, uh, to be able to become um, is by stepping up into areas of passion as she did, areas of talent uh, as she also did, and using what you already have, um, both passion-wise and talent-wise, to be able to address issues that are relevant to it. Um, the passions and talents that we each have also provide a perspective. And so I think the other way is um, sharing your perspective, speaking up, brainstorming ideas um, that are from either your own personal expertise or even from the networks that you have. A lot of people um, don't realize that, you know, my, you know, 
I have a relative who's this, or I have a friend who's that. Like if you have, if you know people in healthcare, or if you know people who work in factories or warehouses, you understand they, they can give you a, um, an insight into logistics and operations and distribution. And so um, in with healthcare, just kind of like how the healthcare system works, how you engage with patients, what, um, a, what a path is from the front door to being cared for. So all the different, so there are different levels of uh, expertise and knowledge um, and insight that we have access to. You mentioned earlier, you know, your conversations with retail workers, getting an understanding of when shipments are coming in. So we have a variety of knowledge bases that we have access to. And so um, one of the ways that you can become um, is to, to use that knowledge to be able to brainstorm ideas um, to address the, you know, the current situations or problems that you see in your workplace. But then the other thing is to think ahead and anticipate um, what problems lie ahead, what issues lie ahead. Um, a lot of senior management right now is, is trying to respond to the crisis, but um, not I don't know how many of them have the bandwidth because this is this thing is moving so fast. Like every day we wake up to a new nation. <laughs> every day we wake up to a new set of protocols, a new um, a new way of in engaging, new information, um, and so this thing is moving very very fast. There was a time when it was moving hourly, and so with that speed of change. Uh, there's only so much people at the high, high levels can, can, um, can manage. Likewise, they lack the perspective of being on the ground now and what look, being on the ground now looks like. So if you have friends who are on the ground, whether they're retail workers or um, uh, uh, nurses' aides in, in hospitals or what have you, that have, or you know, whatever the case might be, Uber drivers that have insight as to what the ground looks like, then you can use those insights to be able to anticipate what might be issues that um, impact your business, impact your workplace, impact the work that you do, you individually, as well as the team that you're on, use those insights from other industries, use those, um, those insights, um, in general, in terms of like human nature and how it works, to anticipate what are the issues that are going to surface, you know, a month from now, three months from now, six months from now, and a year from now. Um, and then also, um, how do we rebound after this? Um, the world is going to look different after this. And there are gonna be some changes that we have experienced as a society that will um, reshape us. Um, and where, you know, that are permanent. And so in that different society, what does your work look like? What does your workplace look like? Um, what does the, your brand or your company look like? And I don't mean that from a corporate point of view. I'm talking about even if you're an admin assistant, what does your work look like? What does your company look like? Like, you know, think about these things um, and and start to kind of, if you were the CEO, think about what you would do to respond. And like, you know, we're talking about brown girl radiance. Black women have been through quite a few things over the um, over our lifetime as a, as a 
part of humanity. And so I really do feel that there's a creativity, there's a strength, there's an innovation, there's a vision, there's an insight, um, there's an understanding that we have um, that has um, served us well during times of personal adversity and corporate adversity. And so this is the time to tap into those, those, um, those capabilities, regardless to where you are on the vocational or occupational um, food chain. Um, even if you are um, a stay-at-home mom, like everyone's now learning what it's like to be a stay-at-home mom, <laughs> and they realize now that it is, it's hard work. Um, and so, so whether it's thinking about your family and what it's going to look like for your family or thinking about your workplace, I think um, brainstorming and um, about the future, brainstorming about the present, using your personal networks, using um, your personal passions and expertise and interests uh, is a way that you can redefine your role. And, and once you start speaking up with those ideas, speaking up with um, those potential solutions, speaking up with those potential issues, then um, especially if people haven't thought of it, that's where you can start to really, um, and then rising up to the occasion. Like if you're pointing out a concern, uh, it's good to have a potential solution or at least a path for people to figure out, um, to start to figure out how to resolve that solution I and mean, resolve that issue. So I think that's a great way. Um, and those are kind of like great ways where it's sharing your relevant networks and perspectives or, um, or thinking forward and speaking up um, uh, to, to redefine your role and, and become, you know, because once you start to uh, be heard and once you start to kind of move in that new space, um, more will come. Uh, and, and that's where you start to, to become more than where you started. Yeah, actually, you know, um, as you were talking, it made me think about when you said utilizing your network and um, mm -hmm. and it made me think about it, especially relative to, to health uh, right now. Uh, well, my family, I guess some around Christmas time, we all of a sudden we have this large group text <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, that has continued. And uh, but but you know it's been nice because different people you know will share health tips and um, and uh, or you know even ask questions et cetera and we and we do have some healthcare professionals um, in my family including my sister who is a doctor of nursing so shout her out real quick um, but yeah so um, and even just sending you know to the inspirational messages as well. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that um, there is is value in that. Yeah, and Especially I think to your point, there's a, like a lot of people now, just on a personal level, um, can start to become leaders in their own family. Just you know, as they start to think ahead and and look at uh, look further out. Uh, you know, what does our family look like now? What will our family need to look like, whether it be geographically or otherwise, um, going forward? Uh, you know, what capabilities do we have? What crisis management or crisis response uh, protocols do we have as a family? Like, you know what I mean? Like, where do we all go when stuff goes sideways? Where do we all meet up? How do we get there? You know what I mean? Like, a lot of times... Right we kind of gloss over these sorts of things. Those who are in natural disaster zones think about it a little bit more. Um, 
but they may think about it regionally as opposed to nationally or for some of us internationally, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely very powerful and even um, going back to just the point of connectivity and, and checking on one another, um, mm -hmm. especially, you know, having some relatives who are older, mm -hmm. like 70 plus, 80 plus years old, um, and, you know, just making sure that they're okay. And I have noticed certain things um, too, which is a lot of my older relatives, understandably so, are very passionate about like people staying in, right? Mm -hmm. um, because that's one of the, the largest advisories, if you will, that's out there um, right now. So, yeah. Yeah. We are in uncharted times and uh, and it's definitely, I think, in some interesting ways brought us together or, or at least made us aware of the distance that we have generationally um, and otherwise and how that is to our detriment. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, like it, it, Like a lot of people it's easy to not value the the distances between generations um, until you you know come to moments like these that like you know in a worst worst case scenario if you have like a generation of people who are wiped out on a large scale because of something like this that's a generation of insight perspective knowledge wisdom understanding uh that is not that we don't have to reference you know, unless they wrote it down somewhere. And even then there's still um, nuggets that, you know, that would only surface when, um, when mined for, you know, specifically. Right. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I think like in, in recent years, I, I definitely find myself like picking the brains of my, you know, my older relatives more and trying to like draw out different stories. Um, even my, my paternal, grandmother rest in peace she passed away in 2012 and i was glad that i got to ask her you know certain questions um mm -hmm. before she passed away and and now you know a lot of my aunts and uncles will at our family reunions will do things like uh we usually have a little portion of our gathering where we'll like call it ask the elders and we'll just have different questions like i mean one year it was like, what's the, what do you think has been the greatest invention in your lifetime? And so to hear, you know, their various answers on that and et cetera, like you said, it's definitely a well of knowledge. And um, I, I do think, um, not to get ahead of myself here, but I do think one of the positive things that has come out of all of this is that I do think that um, overall people are caring more for our, um, for our, our senior citizens. Yeah. And so, yeah. In so, yeah, pocket, so really on, I think on a um, on a um, uh, grassroots level, uh, I, and I think there because there's also the people who are on the beach, right, um, in Clearwater <laughs> and elsewhere, like the Spring Breakers. I'll just refer yeah. to them as that. Like, yes, now we now understand as a society that there is a segment of our society who prioritize their own pleasure over the survival of others and that is a very deep thought right there like the pleasure your pleasure is more important than someone's survival that's a like i you know that's intense and so 
along those lines too, like, you know, say the whole World War II generation gets wiped out or whatever for like, as you know, cause they're all in that kind of older group. Who's there to tell us how to live through a time like this? Because no other time, there's not been a global crisis of this measure since the last World War. If you think about all of the wars that the U.S. has engaged in since World War II, they've all been regional conflicts. They've not been global. We've gone and we've had allies and, you know, us four and no more have gone and done what we wanted to do in the world. But the whole world, the rest of the world went on with the rest of their business. This is one of the few times like that I can remember in history where the whole world is being impacted. And the last time I remember that happening, not that I was around then, but was World War II. So, so, um, so you know, if those people are not around, like, right. you know, we lose the learnings as to how to walk through a global crisis. <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, it, um, I was watching uh, a Trevor Noah clip because, you know, he's been doing the Daily Show from his home, which is hilarious. And uh, he showed a clip because you were talking about the whole international perspective of like all these different mayors in Italy. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, they showed the like translations on the screen of some of the things that the mayors were having to say to the people, because to your, to your point about you know, them choosing their own pleasure over, like, the safety of others, and so you would literally see them, like, at these, um, you know, at their desks, like, sometimes there may be explicitives that they're throwing out, some of them were actually, like, one of them they showed he was actually walking in the street, mm-hmm. and, and you saw him yelling at these two kids, and it was like, hey, like, you can't play ping pong, go home and play PlayStation, like that's literally yeah. what he yeah. to the, you know. It's so, so wild that, like, sorry to interrupt, but like you just mentioned the PlayStation. I'm like, it's so wild that we as a society globally have gotten so connected to our screens, and now that we are changed them, we don't want them. <laughs> like the irony for me is just I can't, I can't even. Like literally, you're you have the government telling you stay at home, stay on your screens, play, do PlayStation, stay on your phone, stay on your computer, do not leave your house, stay on your screens. And now people want to like, you know, roam about. So it's interesting. It's just really funny. Yeah, no, for sure. And actually that, that point, hours, right. (laughs) And, and that point actually, um, kind of leads to my to to my next question but before I get into that I do want to just note since we've been like talking about Michelle Obama I'm not sure if you had a chance yet but she posted or to see this yet but she posted uh, a video phone call between her and Ellen um, and and uh, she was you know just talking about how the Obamas are adjusting etc and she was saying how she initially was celebrating having an empty nest and then of course now the girls are back um, with them Mm -hmm. but you know in their respective rooms on their computers etc you know going back to school virtually and but one thing that she did talk about was just like the family really being able to get more face time together and you know how to disengage from all the the different screens Mm -hmm. uh so it actually leads to my next question, uh, which is um, that in the book, uh, Michelle mentioned 
um, that one of the first books that she remembered reading and really enjoying was Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison. And so mm -hmm. I think during this time, um, people are probably making uh, plans to read more books or, or finish uh, ones that they've already started. So do you have any books on your reading list or audiobooks or podcasts that you want to listen to? Oh, yes. Um, so I have, so I guess I'll go over the ones I have not read yet, but, um, but I do have, um, there's a book called More Than Enough by Elaine Welteroth and she's, <laughs> yes! Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes, I heard. I'm sorry, who Elaine is. I'm, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I no, heard no, her no, on no, a, a podcast. But yeah. So she's on the and, list. And yeah, continue. I apologize. But yeah, I heard her on a podcast and she's amazing. And yes, I want to read her mm -hmm. book, but continue. Oh yeah. So she's basically the first black editor of, teen, well, I mean, they didn't have a lot of editors, but of Teen Vogue. She has really shifted it. She's the youngest um, person ever to become an editor-in-chief and of any Condé Nast publication and for those who are not familiar with the publishing world I, I came from that world and Condé Nast is basically like the Harvard of publishers magazine publishers all the slick kind of cool books um, that people used to read uh, are Condé Nast publications so for her to and it's a very elitist exclusive publishing house and so for her to be able to um, to get into there and to move that ship into another direction that is um you know more racially conscious among other things is huge and so i um so i definitely want to um to read her book because she does talk about race and identity and then also just you know being comfortable in her own skin and and what and who she, yeah and who she is to be able to be in that job so uh so that one and then um the, there are a couple of Brene Brown is good on any day, but I think the gifts of imperfection and rising strong are great um, books during this time, especially like when you think about gifts of imperfection in a, it's very easy to want the best solution uh, and, and take a lot of time trying to figure that out. Uh, I think that's important for drugs. So go FDA, but um, outside of that, you know, and other things that can, you know, impact people's actual physical well-being. But other than that, like, it's, it, I don't know that it's always important for the best solution in a crisis as the right solution. The right solution for that time, um, for that moment, for that group who's affected and so forth. And so, um, you know, it's important to be able to kind of move quickly, decide quickly, uh, as we've come to know in this crisis. And so, uh, one of the ways to do that is to be okay with the imperfection um, and and just be sure that you're right or close enough. You know what I mean? So um, so that one and then Hosting the Presence of God by Bill Johnson. And um, that for me is mainly about um, being a person who's filled with the presence of God in a way that can be uh, in a case like this, um, particularly, uh, but on any day, uh, someone who can bring healing someone who can bring encouragement, uh, someone who can bring vision, someone who can bring insight, understanding, discernment, wisdom. So, uh, and all of those, and someone who can bring the fruits of the spirit, all of those are in the presence of God. So, um, so and, and as someone who carries the presence of God and hosts the presence of God, if you are doing that, then you're able to walk in those things and, and bring those things to the places that you go. 
um, and the places that you encounter and the people you encounter. So that one. And then um, Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind, like that's a tome, but it's still on the list. And I think the more that we understand uh, how we became as a, as a species and how we engage and interact as a species um, historically, the more insight we can have on where we are now, because not much has changed. <laughs> so, so yeah. And then um, finally, I have read this book, but I highly recommend it, uh, especially now and kind of hearkening back to the the information I had about big tech or the, um, the comments I had about big tech. There's a book called The Four, The Hidden DNA of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. And it's written by NYU business school professor, Scott Galloway. And it basically describes how those four brands and businesses have become proxies for fundamental elements of, spirit of spirituality, love, sex. So there's a podcast where he discusses the book and he basically says google is god facebook is love apple is sex and amazon is death so um and he and when he describes it like i'll just go into google as god a lot of people go on google to ask questions um not just you know where is the nearest xyz but um you know why does why do bad things happen to good people so a lot of people are going on there just with you know especially people who may not have a uh, perspective uh, and are asking questions that are very spiritual in nature. And so that's why he basically said Google is God. And if you think about like omniscience and uh, omnipresence and so forth that we ascribe to um, deity, then Google's getting pretty close. <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah. Uh, I won't, I'll say Facebook is love and it, Apple is sex for those to read the book, but um, it's good stuff. It's a fun read. Uh, it's not an academic read at all. And uh, yeah, love me some Scott Galloway. So those are my, those are the books. Those are the books. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. So I'll give you my books as well. And then we can maybe talk about podcasts as well, mm -hmm. if you have any of oh, those. Yeah. We love um, for for my books, um, I actually resolved just the other night um, that I wanted to add Secrets of the Secret Place by Bob Sorge oh, uh, yeah. to my devotional time. Excellent. And, and uh, I'm not sure if you remember this, but one of the first times that we met, you, you told me about this book. So when he came mm -hmm. to our church conference um, a couple of years ago, which yeah. he actually comes like every year, but, but I made sure that I, I bought the book uh -huh. and, um, and actually, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's been sitting idle, but, um, mm -hmm. this morning I actually read the first three chapters mm -hmm. and, and what I love is that they're, they're short, but they're very like impactful and powerful. So I think it's going to be, um, just a really nice dimension added to my, um, devotional time. And just and, go on. Um, I don't know if um, you knew this, but I know he's working on a revised version or updated expanded edition. Um, so I don't know where that is in the publishing timeline, but um, yeah, people should keep an eye out for that because it's basically going to be the new improved version of, of what you're reading. But do know that the original is pretty amazing on its own. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it so far. So, um, and then another book um, that I, 
also decided to add um, is by one of uh, my sisters from church, who's actually also an avid Brown Girl Radiance listener. And uh, yes, and uh, so her name is Rain K. Brandon, and her book is called Please Send More Rain. And it's actually a book of poetry, and it also leaves space for um, journaling as well. And, you know, she's just such a sweet spirit that, like I said, has been supporting me on my podcast journey. So um, I bought her book a while ago and and decided that now is the time um, yeah. to start working to start working through it. Um, and I really actually tend to enjoy a lot of like different Christian enrichment books. So um, those are my top two right now. But I will say um, on social media, um, I saw someone mentioned uh, a book by James Baldwin um, that I would also like to check out. It's called The Fire Next Time. Yes. And, yes. And yeah. Mm -hmm. So and from reading the synopsis, I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also heard India Ari um, on her podcast, which um, I discovered her podcast uh, probably towards the beginning of this year. It's called Songversation. And oh. I know we're not talking about podcasts yet, but I just have to say, I love it. It's amazing. Basically, she gives the story behind all her, like, um, her songs. And mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's amazing and beautiful. So anyway, it, it's probably, you know, one of my... Uh, top three podcasts, I would say. But anyway, um, on there, she referenced um, a, a book by Alice Walker called The Temple of My Familiar. And yeah. so, so I'm like, okay, I want to add that one to the red. red yes, <laughs> yes. I, yes. <laughs> no, no, this is like, like out of my high school English class. It's like, these are just beautiful pieces of literature. Continue. <laughs> oh, excellent. Well, I'm, thank you for the, uh, you know, the confirmation. Um, yes. So, so yeah, I can't wait to, you know, jump onto those. I also decided that I would like to uh, probably do strength finders again. Um, I did it a few years ago and I, I find it, you know, to be very, or I, yeah, I found it to be very helpful um, in identifying what my strengths are and, you know, always gives me great talking points for interviews, et cetera. And, and another book that I actually oh, saw on my shelf. Like, and to, um, to the point of becoming, as we rise to different occasions, we are going to develop new strengths. And so um, that's kind of something that people should keep in mind that it's a good idea after you come through a situation like this to revisit uh, something like Strength Finders because you will answer those questions differently and find new capabilities have emerged. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to jump back into that. And then another book that I saw on my shelf the other night is um, Good to Great, which mm -hmm. I realized I've owned for years, but I haven't um, read it yet. Um, and then uh, then last, there's a, a book that I told my I told myself in January right now. It's kind of it's um it's a it has like a beautiful cover and I've read certain pieces of it. Um, mm -hmm. But the inside the dream the personal story of walt disney um and it's um yeah so and it has a lot of stories in there that i like um had not heard before so mm -hmm. anyway so those are those are you know i would say some books that have um have been on my radar but now i'm <laughs> you know trying to give a little more focus energy to because um i 
I, I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't purchase more physical books. And so I am trying to, mm. um, you know, do more of the digital version or like the audio book, like what I did with Becoming. Yes. Um, and so, so yeah. Okay, so, mm-hmm. so moving on to podcasts, I'll let you start out and then I will. Yes. So I know you probably um, think, know what my first one would be, but I actually, because of the time that we are in right now, I'm going to make that my second recommendation. And my first recommendation is called Encountering Peace. And it's a meditation app. It's also, they also do e- daily email um, 15 minute meditations based on scripture. I found them through the U version. Um, they were like a devotional option in the U version of the Bible, the U app. Um, and so I signed up for the the daily devotionals and they're amazing. They're really, really amazing. For people who are particularly interested in meditation and the efficacy of meditation, but are concerned and concerned that they don't want to kind of get into some kind of weird new age situation um, and want to have something that is biblically based and scriptural. Uh, this is a great, great podcast slash um, uh, content distro via email for you. And it's 15 minutes, which is perfection for a lot of us. Um, and so I, I've been with it for over a year now. And then um And then the other thing is too that I like about it is that if I don't get a chance to do like a more formal uh, Bible meditation or reflection or study for those who are more ambitious, um, I know that I'm getting a a, a Bible, a biblical infusion each time that I have the meditation. Uh, And it really is actually a a meditation on a, um, usually it's just like, one verse that's essential and then he'll have the verse in different versions and stuff like that and they're breathing exercises so for those who are who really want kind of like that meditative protocol um that you're gonna get that um and um uh, and for those like i said who are wary of getting too weird or getting too namaste um <laughs> then, then um you know you have the the barriers of scripture to kind of um to keep everything together, but it's amazing. And to my point earlier about people being accessible, he sent out a um, an email saying that he was traveling uh, for missionary work and just got back, and you know he's self cornering, um, self um, isolating for a, a bit to make sure that he's you know, not compromising anybody or anything like that. And he had a lot of the meditations in the can or whatever. But I basically emailed him. I just didn't reply. I don't even know what possessed me to think because a lot of these uh, auto emails are exactly that. There are no replies, so you can't. But for whatever reason, I saw that his name is Drew. So I saw that his email was there and I just like replied and just kind of told him how impactful it was for me. And, you know, basically said, just record it on an MP3 and add and attach it to an email and I'm going to be fine. Like you don't have to make it pretty for me. So, and just tell the people that, you know, we're in hard times. So there's not going to be like super great audio, just, you know, so, cause he has music in the background and all of this. It's a great experience. So encountering peace. And then um, I highly, highly recommend 
pivot by Recode Decode and Recode Decode itself. So both of those podcasts feature Kara Swisher, and she is a um, renowned tech journalist. Uh, but the great thing is these are not like techie broadcasts. Uh, they basically are providing insights into the biggest stories, not only in tech, but in business, politics, um, society, and then they make predictions. And so she and Scott Galloway, the gentleman who wrote The Four that I mentioned earlier about Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, he actually predicted the, um, the acquisition, the Amazon acquisition of Whole Foods, like almost up to a month in advance. So, and he was just kind of like sharing his thoughts based on the book and so on and so forth. So there's some real um, thought-provoking uh, conversations that they have. For those who have sensitive ears, I will caution you in advance that they can, they can drop some expletives. So if that's something that will disturb you, then don't bother. And if you also have a very conservative perspective, then perhaps not. But I think the, what you miss out on is understanding, especially how technology is shaping our lives, has shaped our lives, um, and, our, and our future. I mean, there are futures that we're not having conversations about right now that are already in place because of, the, of a lot of these companies, these big data companies, um, and what they own. Um, and how they use it. And so, uh, and that's why I felt so strongly about their participation in managing this crisis because they are actually stronger <laughs> and, and smarter and faster than the US government or any other government for that matter. Um, so, uh, in a lot of ways, I mean, and this is like, you know, heretical talk, but unless you are, that's where this this podcast comes helpful because once you understand like what's out there, what people are doing and so forth, then you start to look at the world differently. You start to look at your life and you start to look at your family and your future differently. And so that's why I highly recommend it. Um, they're also very fun. Um, you've listened to them. They have some fun banter, um, um, but they have strong views. So you just have to kind of um, buckle up and go for the ride. And, uh, and that's it on the podcast front. Cool. Well, um, yes. Yeah, so I, I will, I guess I will lead with, um, probably my, one of my favorites. Sometimes it's hard to choose a favorite podcast. I feel like, cause you know, depending on where you're at, um, in terms of, you know, your season, uh, but, mm -hmm. uh, but I will say I'm, First of all, very excited that uh, Jesus and Jaloth is back. Oh, yes. I forgot them. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And, Copy and, that. Uh, yes. yes. With Yvonne Orji and Lavia Jai. Um, yes. I, I, I love both of them. Follow them on social media. Just uh, amazing women, uh, really. So, so, um, and so I, I have been following along this season, but I know that they put out a new episode that I haven't. Um, got to listen to yet. I'm, I've kind of been like saving it as that treat for myself. So, mm -hmm. um, but they had a COVID-19 social distancing episode yet? Uh, no, not, not yet. Okay. Cause I don't know what they have to say about that. That's um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, yeah, I don't think they've done one yet, but, um, mm -hmm. 
but hopefully they will. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it'll be insightful and hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but they, they just for your listeners, that is how they roll. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, so pretty excited about that. And then an, another thing too about that podcast is I'll go back to listen and listen to old episodes sometimes, just because mm-hmm. it you know was so rich. Um, and then I started listening to actually probably about two or three uh, weeks ago. There's a podcast that's a part of the Essence Network called Unbossed. Mm. Um, and it, and so they interview a lot of um, you know African American or Black or Brown you can say um, leaders, uh, mm-hmm. female leaders as well as entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah and and I've already gotten some really just great um, information and, and resources from um, from there, including like for example uh, one of the leaders shared this um, website slash app that she um, used called um, edX. And so when, you know, so when my team was talking through, you know, different things to work on in terms of learning and development, like that was a resource that I was able, you know, to share with them. So, um, so yeah. Anyway. Shout out. Look at you becoming. This is what, <laughs> <about>. <laughs> what I was talking Great. about people. Yeah, let you know and drop the knowledge. Yes, continue. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, and then I, and then since since I'm talking about the Essence Network, I will say that I do listen to like some episodes of Yes Girl, um, depending on who their guests are, and and it's um, usually very entertaining, uh, for sure. Um, and I also need to catch up on some episodes of Recode Decode, uh, which you, you've mentioned that podcast, but I do love hearing her um, speak to the different uh, leaders within tech and otherwise. Um, I always feel like I walk away um, with some type of um, new um, nugget. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I definitely love that podcast. And from that podcast, I actually learned about this psychologist named Adam Grant. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he has a podcast called Work Life um, mm-hmm. that I also love where he, you know, basically goes into different organizations and looks at their, you know, structures, very unique structures and unique cultures, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that one's fun and I, I haven't got to listen to it in a while and I know he's posted um, new episodes. Uh, another podcast, uh, Jamel Hill is Unbothered. It's uh, distributed exclusively on Spotify. And um, I will say it's one where she interviews just some really incredible dynamic people. Um, for example, Ava DuVernay, who I love, like I listened to that episode um, at least twice, maybe three times. And so, um, but but she interviews a lot of like different people. Um, I do need to give a disclaimer that sometimes there can be uh, some language. Um, but if, if you, and, and it's not always necessarily throughout the episode, but more like towards, towards the end, mm-hmm. um, she has a segment that actually has some language in it. So I'll just, I'll just say that. But if you can like, you know, listen to the interviews, they're always like, again, um, really powerful. Um, and I mentioned Songversation by, by uh, oh, NDRE. Yes. Love that one. Um, and there is a podcast that I listen to um, called Coffee and Tea with SNL. Um, I actually <laughs> met these ladies at a podcast movement uh-huh. and, um, and they're really sweet and, and they're 
podcast is always like very inspirational and fun. They interview um, different female entrepreneurs. And, and then another podcast that I have started listening to, Redefining uh, Wealth with Patrice Washington, who was actually a keynote speaker um, at the podcast movement. So um, really just, again, always really uh, very rich content. So uh, with, and I will say there are other podcasts um, that I won't necessarily name right now, but there are some podcasts that I need to listen to just based on other individuals that I met at the podcast movement mm-hmm. and even um, just connecting on social media um, with, you know, different people who have asked me to check out their podcasts and that kind of thing. So I'll, I will, I'll put this way, I'll report back in the future um, <laughs> on what, on what I heard, but I only, you know, currently just want to um, recommend podcasts that I've actually listened to. Um, and there's, you know, the, the list can go on because that's one thing about being a podcaster is that you tend to listen to to a lot of podcasts as well. Yeah, yeah. And so. one other one I wanted to add was How to Be Amazing with Michael Ian Black. He's actually how I found Kara um, Swisher from Recode Decode and from Pivot. And he actually, it's, he, it's another interview show because Kara and Scott, they do, Kara and Scott discuss, but then Kara on Recode Decode does interviews. So she's interviewed like Tesla, CEO Elon Musk, Hillary Clinton. Actually, when Hillary Clinton had her first public interview post-election, um, it was with Kara, um, Mark Zuckerberg, and so forth. So um, he, I first found her on the podcast, How to Be Amazing, with Michael Ian Black. He's a comedian, and he does interviews, in-depth interviews on celebrities, newsmakers, and then also on um, with academics. So it's a great way to be able to learn, for lack of a better way to describe it, um, in a very kind of conversational way, because he's a comedian. And so he's just going to ask kind of very fundamental uh, questions. Like I learned about um, psychological economics or something like that. But like he, he speaks with thought leaders and just also fun people, you know, celebrities and stuff like that, but a range of people. Uh, and he asks who are amazing and ask them their process of how they became. So it's another way of thinking about the, um, the theme of becoming by learning um, from others about their journey, how they became to be amazing, how they became into whom to who we know them to be today. So um, that's another one that I think is very um, topical to this podcast um, episode, uh, but in general, and also for this time, you know? So. Love that. And actually, while you're adding an addendum, I will as well. Because <laughs> uh, uh, I, I was thinking about podcasts that I listened to um, now, but also when I first started out. And so there's one called the corporate confidential mm. where it's basically, um, two professional, uh, black women, um, who are sharing and who've had kind of different career tracks. Um, like one has been, you know, more of a career nomad and, and worked for, um, some, some different, uh, notable companies. And then one has had like longevity, um, with the same company, um, mm-hmm. in tech actually. And so, um, so yeah, so they discuss all, all kinds of, um, themes, um, around, you know, um, around really how to, to, to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but also, you know, um, utilizing that, that brown lens of, you know, of being, um, of, 
women and specifically African-American women. But, um, but a lot of the times the tips that they give, like anyone um, could, could find value in it. So love that one. So yeah. Um, <laughs> again, lots of rich goodness. Like people are going to come out of this smarter, wiser, stronger, savvier, more insightful. Like this is an opportunity to become greater. You know, like that stillness that I was referring to earlier is uh, one, being able to be quiet and hear your own voice and hear the voice of the Lord um, through that time. Um, and then the other is just um, being still enough to hear um, some of these other voices, you know, the, um, and, and learning from them. Because a lot of times we're always going, 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 doing, 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 and particularly um, in this circumstance with everything moving so quickly, uh, there's reacting, 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 and or responding. And so um, I think with the books that you've shared and the podcast that you've shared um, and the potentially more time that we have, uh, that people will be able to really uh, become better, you know, from um, taking advantage of some of these. Exactly. Well, and so speaking of that, which I will say you may have, you may have answered this question already, but this actually leads to my I might have final question. Answer, so feel free to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, situation here. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my final question um, is actually one that I've asked, uh, my guests on uh, the last two episodes. And I think that it's something that's definitely uh, relevant for this time um, more than ever. And so what in the book, Becoming, um, left you feeling inspired or hopeful? And then I will add an addendum and say, and also um, in the climate of COVID-19, what leaves you feeling hopeful and inspired? Um, I think for the book, what left me um, inspired and hopeful was just how Michelle started um, with humble beginnings. And a lot of people will uh, hear that and think I mean, you know, South Side of Chicago. And I actually mean in her mind and how she perceived herself. In spite of her accomplishments and capabilities, uh, she still struggled with feeling good enough or believing that she was good enough and also was, for, and she will admit, was content to live a certain life uh, and a, a very structured life, a very um, um, traditional life uh, and a life that one could argue was focused on her, her loved ones, you know, and, and making sure that there was a, a great world for her loved ones. And I think by, um, I didn't really talk about this as much, but one of the ways we become is the people that we have around us. And Barack, I think, was a huge a part of her becoming who we know today. Because she says in the book that like she had a, a particular uh, path in mind and perspective of what her life would look like. And he basically freed her from that and allowed her to think bigger, think differently and, and become the person that we know. And so um, 
so she started off with very humble beginnings as to who she she was, what she would accomplish, even as a lawyer, as even as a partner at a firm. I mean, yes, that's it's all about it's all relative, right? Yes, that's ambitious and so forth, and accomplished, and her family and so forth. But she clearly had the she clearly had the capacity to be a lot more. And so to see someone um, like that who started off from humble psychological beginnings and become this like fearless person and someone who um, is a lot, uh, who has a broader, a huge, a, a tremendously broader perspective um, and broader impact than they started with uh, is incredibly inspiring and hopeful for me. Um, not only for myself, but for those who find themselves in that position like that, that is, it's definitely a lesson and uh, a challenge to that. Um, you can, you can think differently and better. Alexa, stop. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was just, <laughs> I'm trying to watch local news. It's so super clock. <laughs> anyway, it's okay. It's okay. I can watch the 11, 11 o'clock news. Um, but, uh, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> I I might not edit that out. Go ahead. <laughs> How we live now? We have the machines telling us where to go. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so um, so yes, Michelle started with humble beginnings, and that's inspiring and hopeful. Um, and and she uh, and I think also too was that. Um, inspiring and hopeful about her was that she was herself and she was always herself. And, uh, and I think that's a page out of the Oprah book, which is that um, the more you are your authentic self, the more powerful you are and the more loved you can become by more people. So, so that's, so that's for me, what was inspiring and hopeful about the book. And then um, about this crisis and where we are now with COVID-19 and social distancing and so forth. Um, what leaves me feeling hopeful inspired are just the businesses and individuals who've already stepped up and who um, are speaking up and responding to the need and articulating the need. I mean, there are healthcare workers who are blowing up social media to make sure that people know that the need is for protective gear um, is 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 critical, you know, and they they you know they may have been doing that in their personal life, but a lot of them are now um, using it as a platform to um, to amplify uh, the their voices and the and the need there. So that and then just kind of like the volunteerism and innovation that's coming through, you know, whether it's people sewing face masks that they shouldn't be having to sew, that's another story. Um, or, or like the distilleries who are making hand sanitizers, you know, people who are repurposing their resources and their talents to meet the need. Um, I think like basically wartime style, World War II, here we go, Redux. So now we have the internet to help us. So, so that aspect of it um, I think is just, uh, really encouraging. And then for me also, and kind of finally, is just the potential of a new world that evolves from this whole situation and from the learnings that we've gained as a society. Um, I, like, 
I, I think it all, a lot of it will depend on how long it goes as to how much we internalize from the learnings. Um, but um, I think the idea of social distancing uh, and what that looks like, um, and you know, have we been living like that all along, but just didn't really know because we were sitting in front of each other, but we had screens in front of us, um, or like what we've learned about the importance of caring for one another and generationally, um, what we've learned about isolationism from a um, geopolitical perspective, is that something we want to pursue going forward? Like, you know, if we're America first and we are basically in World War One isolationism, is that how useful is that? And and uh, can it save us from pandemics? Apparently not. Um, so, um, and so if that's the case, then um, are we better together? You know, you know. So the, you know stuff like that, and just the idea of readiness. Um, and then tele, teleworking, uh, allowing people to be able to be in different geographies, but still be um, high contributors. Like there are some companies that have adopted that before all this took place. Other companies, everybody now is being forced to, to know that truth, right? Um, that you don't have to have people in front of you to be productive. And so, um, so we'll find out if that learning takes or if it doesn't. Uh, and then also finally, which was a really big learning for me, was the role of government, state, local, and federal, and the, that the interplay across those three. Uh, you, I have now understood something that I had learned <laughs> growing up in civics classes or social studies or whatever you want to call it, or government politics classes in terms of how um, the different parties uh, experience or perceive government, their approaches to solutions. You know, um, I think it's fair to say the Republicans are not big government people. They are about decentralization. Um, they're about state power and, um, and the de Democrats are not. And so there is something between those two perspectives that is the sweet spot for this country. Um, and now we understand the value that a federal government could have should it choose to lead in this way. Um, and now we also have learned the importance and the power of your state and local officials. Like, don't take those um, elections and those selections at the ballot box for granted. You want a smart, capable person to be your governor. You want a smart, capable person to be your mayor. You want a smart, capable person to lead your city council. You want like all the way down the line. Um, those decisions really do matter. And, uh, and so I feel like that's a big learning for me personally. Um, and I think for us as a society and as a country, especially that, um, that there is a new world that will emerge from this. It looks like it may be a decentralized world. I will either be one or the other because there will either be people who say, you know, actually we're okay, we don't need big government. Or there'll be like, oh my gosh, we made a mistake. <laughs> and so I don't know where we're gonna fall, but, um, but there will be a new world. Those are some examples of the, what that new world, some of the elements of that new world, but as we continue to go through this, depending on how long it is, 
we are going to learn more about ourselves as individuals, i.e. becoming, and we're gonna learn more about our society and how we work, how we live, how we play, how we interact, how we engage, how we govern, and those learnings are gonna shape who we become as a country and potentially as a world, as other countries are doing the same thing. Yeah, I think um, for me, you know, what makes me um, feel inspired or hopeful is actually um, just more um, on a, a spiritual level. I will say I feel like this entire experience, I, I've been telling people, it's just like one big Bible story. Mm -hmm. And so essentially um, being able, you know, we saw so many different um there are so many stories, I should say, in the word of, of situations very um, similar to this one, but the people always crossed over, you know, they were always victorious. Mm -hmm. And so I, I am excited to see what that other side looks like. And I think especially in this technological age, um, you know, internet, mm -hmm. as wonderful as it is, and it's become a great resource, but, you know, it was not able to stop, you know, this pandemic from happening. And so I think that it, it really helps us um, to see who, you know, who is actually in control and kind of brings you back to that, that place of simplicity and what's essential in life. And you really, you know, begin to, to, to see what matters. And as we've been discussed earlier, so those you know, whether it's family and friends and, and really um, having value in that connectivity. Um, and, um, and again, just being able to, exactly, yeah. And, and being able to really place our, our trust um, and our faith in the right place, because I think that, you know, this, this life, because previously there were so many distractions, um, but, but now that, um, that we are able to be still, then we're able to really focus on what matters and, um, and make that a part of our, you know, of our cadence if it wasn't already, you know, so I'm really also, of course, as a Christian wanting to see salvation for, for others um, amidst all of this, um, so. And I think that, I mean, to your point, I think, that is part of the new society that I'm hoping for that as people become more centered for lack of a better way to describe it and um, started and start to look inward and upward God's willing that they will see where the gaps are and seek to fill them with the one who can fill those gaps. Exactly. And I think too, just as people, um, I believe just based on again, like some of the stories we sh shared earlier, um, that we as individuals will um, become better people. And whether that's through our, you know, individual devotion or enrichment, you know, from professional or um, education, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But in general, that we're becoming better people um, in terms of what we're equipped with, but also in how we treat one another. So. Yes, because yes. when you think about it, the world had become a very nasty place of late. And now those elements have quieted. I'm Correct. beginning to see some movements. <laughs> and, you know, you know, we're beginning to see some of those kind of 
surfacing, but for the most part, they've been quiet and that's been a, a much needed relief. And hopefully something that we can preserve going forward is people remember what it could be, you know, in terms of uh, getting along with one another. For sure, yeah. I think um, like even on social media, you don't really see as much um, negativity <laughs> towards, towards one another, and um, and it's like you said, it's been a, it's it's really been a beautiful thing. And then even while we want to keep ourselves updated on what's happening, but making sure that you don't oversaturate yourself with that mm -hmm. information um, as well, just finding that balance. So um, my final thought, mm -hmm. so while our, our book club uh, has come to an end, um, I, actually, I actually have a question for all of my listeners, um, especially in this current climate. Um, and this question comes from the Becoming Journal, which is um, actually a really nice um, pairing with with the book itself, but it's very, it's, it's very reflective and it's something that, you know, will probably take some time to get through. Um, but uh, for this particular question, you can respond to me with your answers on Instagram at Brown Girl Radiance Podcast or via email, browngirlradiancepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you send me a response, then I'll make sure to highlight it on my Instagram page. And so the question is, how do you want to contribute to the world? And what is one small step you can take this year to further that contribution? And um, I, I can say for myself, it's something I'm still working through, but I do believe that a part of what I... Um, would like to contribute to the world, which I'm currently doing is podcasting. Um, and I will continue to, to seek the Lord on, uh, on direction as far as podcasting, as well as other ways that I can contribute to the world. And I know in these uncertain times, um, it might be hard to really answer that question, but I think that if we sit down um, and, in, and have those times of stillness and quietness, that even if we can't answer the question today, we will be able to answer it in the future. So with that, uh, Wakanda sister number two, I, I just wanna thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. It's actually uh, the longest <laughs> podcast episode that I've done. Sister, we're living in epic times. I mean, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Need an epic length podcast. Exactly. And end of the season. So, you know. Exactly. It's, it's the season finale. So, you know, you always have to have finale. something a little special. It's the finale. And, uh, you know, and just with our, our current climate, there was so much more to unpack then than mm. just the book. Um, but again, I always love talking to you. Likewise, thank so. you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, and uh, and I know that we will chat again soon. Yes, yes, yes. Congratulations on the end of an awesome second season. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Brown Girl Radiance podcast, please share it with a friend so that we can 
continue to celebrate and shine together. Brown Girl Radiance Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, CastBox, iHeartRadio, and Pandora. If you want to stay connected to Brown Girl Radiance Podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Brown Girl Radiance Podcast. You can feel free to email me at Brown Girl Radiance Podcast at gmail.com.